Hello, everybody, and welcome to First and Gold, hard-sitting, up-and-coming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Tuesday, November 29th in the year 2022, and guys, we've made it. Unfortunately, we have made it. The regular season is officially over. We got a lot to jump into tonight, discussing things from rivalry weekend. It was a hell of a weekend at that. But before we go any further, as always, you know I got to introduce my co-host, the one, the only, Big Rob. What's going on, everybody? <laughs> what a great day it is. A Tuesday, right after the biggest week in college football, known as the rivalry week. All of the rivalry games, man, came out just to be almost slobberknockers just about, man. Can't wait to get into that. Talk a little bit, uh, a little bit extra some things. Absolutely, absolutely, man. I mean, a lot of great games, some upsets. Big upsets. Uh, just a few unpredictable things, if you will, happened over the weekend. Some teams put up better fights than we thought they would. But since then, we've had some breaking news. We'll discuss that before we get into these games. First things first, South Carolina offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. This has kind of a been a love-hate relationship with him in the University of South Carolina. And he finished up the year on a very high note, man. A lot of people were thinking he was coming back and really changed the way the fan base was really feeling about him and wrapped everything up and Flipped the bird, and he's riding off into the sunset up to Nebraska to join Matt Rule with the Cornhuskers. Yeah, man. I mean, I saw a little bit of tidbits about it on Sunday, talking about how he's being targeted by Matt Rule. Um, and then Sunday morning, I get up, make my coffee, look at the post. Almost a done deal. Not even five or ten minutes later, I look back at the post. It's a done deal. He's gone. Absolutely. It really was a down. I mean, that was one of the faster coaching changes I've ever seen. I mean, it went from Carolina beating Clemson, which, as most of y'all already know, we're going to discuss it here shortly, mm-hmm. but uh, South Carolina upsets Clemson in Death Valley. And the narrative is, oh, man, we got to sign Satterfield. we got to get him back now. I mean, this has been the last two weeks have been too good. We're just going to have to get him back in here. We're going to have to see what we can do in year three, give him one more prove a year. Mm-hmm. we got to get this guy back in here. And then all of a sudden there's rumors, oh, Nebraska's wanting him. And <clears throat> excuse me, guys. I'm having some sinus problems. But uh, Nebraska, they're saying Nebraska's interested in Everybody in the league pretty much saying, well, this guy's had a terrible season. This has got to be false news. I mean, yeah, we weren't Matt Rule, but surely Matt Rule seen how the majority of the season went and the majority of last season, and there's no way he's leaving Carolina. I mean, especially after they hung on to him without season through the hard times. And like you said, hell, a couple of hours later. Yep. It's special. Mark Satterfield's heading to Nebraska. I said, well, damn. Yeah. I mean, not even five minutes after the news broke, I see a tweet from his wife on Twitter. She's got a picture of uh, the Cornhuskers and saying, uh, "Pretty much welcome home to Nebraska." It was it was crazy. Yeah, that's pretty wild, man. Pretty wild. But you look at the criticism he caught this year. A lot of it was warranted. Yeah. But then there was a lot of criticism going on too that was very much unwarranted. A lot of stuff that was out of his control. And he caught a lot of heat, man. I mean, that's 
it's got to be tough when you watch an SEC nation and Columbia, hell, even college game days at different universities. And there's people on camera at other schools with posters saying "Fire Sat, Fire Satterfield." Yep. You got different podcast shows selling Fire Satterfield merchandise. I mean, dude's caught a lot of he's caught a lot of shit this year. He really has, man. <clears throat> a lot of it goes back from last season. You know, they started out slow last season, and then. They make it to the bowl game, and then they have arguably the best game Satterfield's ever called up until the Tennessee game. Had a lot of things going on there. You know, they win the game handily, bring home a bowl, and then you start the new season out as slow as what you did. I mean, yeah, you win the first game, then you go to Arkansas and lose lose a game like you did there. Yeah, pretty handily. I mean, the offense was fairly productive, but the run game was just not there. Yeah. Offense was hit or miss in that game. And it was just too little, too late by the time they finally started getting going. Yeah, and then Georgia, you just get dominated by Georgia. Yeah, then you play a couple of FCS opponents, lower division guys. I mean, Charlotte, South Carolina State. You pick up a couple wins there. Mm-hmm. You come out, you take down uh, Kentucky. Yeah, I believe it was the 13th at the time. And even in that game, I mean – Special teams made some really huge plays. Defense came up huge. But the offense, really, that game, for the majority of it, was just not clicking like you'd want to see, really. Yep. Take on Texas A&M. And, I mean, once again, defense making big plays. Special teams making big plays. The offense is it's there, but it's not really productive. It's not world beaters by any means. I mean, all those games, you're sitting there like, damn, if the other team ever figures out how to get some points on the board, we could be in some trouble. Yep, absolutely. But uh, I think rock bottom had to be that Florida game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, before Florida, you had Missouri. That, you know, that was pretty bad. Yeah, Missouri was really, really bad. I mean, realistically, South Carolina really could have won that game had they had you know some better play calling, some better offense going on, you know, throwing the short game, quick passes and whatnot. They lose that game, and then here comes Florida. After Vanderbilt, they did have that one yeah. against Vanderbilt with Dallas, nothing to write home about. Right. <clears throat> and then here comes Florida down the pike. And it, the biggest embarrassing, embarrassing game of the last two years. Yeah, most embarrassing by far. It was just abysmal. There was absolutely zero offensive production in that game, and defense just couldn't hang in there. Just yeah. a bad night for Gamecock Nation. But then Tennessee comes out and called the perfect game, if you will, from a play caller standpoint. I mean, hung 63 on, at the time, a playoff contender. Hell, a playoff favorite. Yep. I mean, they were still – a lot of people were still saying they were going to come back and win a natty. Yep. You hang 63 on number five in the nation, possibly looking outside in to making it to the playoffs. And then you just ruin their chances. Yeah. I'm telling you, man, I mean, it just – you kill them, and then you follow that up by traveling to Death Valley to play Clemson Tigers, another team that a lot of people was thinking, hey – they can still make a run at this playoff thing against one of one of the best defenses in college football this year. Mm-hmm. And you hang 31 on them. And, I mean, hanging 30, you say 31 points, but that's not that much. 
But against a Clemson Tiger defense at home, you know, the same place where they have been undefeated for the last 40 games, Mm -hmm. 31 points is pretty damn sweet. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's that's bragging rights right there. You know, don't get me wrong. They started out that game slow. Yeah, they did. They started out that game real slow, and I was I began thinking, ah, this is this is what I was afraid of. This is going back to Florida. It wasn't slow from an offensive production standpoint. I mean, start off with a pick six. Yeah. Then you had a pick in the end zone. Yep. I mean, they were shooting themselves in the foot early on, but they were moving the ball. Now there were some questionable play calls in that game. I mean, yeah. Why the hell you line up in the shotgun and throwing that pass in the red zone that got intercepted at that time? I was yet to figure out, but. <laughs> <clears throat> all in all, he called another very good game against Clemson for the most part. So, for him just to pack up and leave it, honestly, it was a pretty big surprise to me. Yeah, I was kind of surprised too. Uh, I don't know if it was kind of a mutual thing where it was an understanding that his contract wouldn't get renewed. I mean, I have some thoughts on that, but, you know, at the same time, man, you think that after the two games that he had, that they had something going on and you know, that he would at least get a, a one-year extension to see what he can do for next year. But well, one, th- one thing that is for sure, though, I mean, you listen to Shane Beamer's interview he had earlier on 107.5, if you got a chance to listen to that. He did not come off too surprised no. about none of this. He didn't come off surprised. He didn't come off shook or anything. You don't see any South Carolina players really responding to this news either. Like, it's not really – Normally this is a big deal, but yeah. in South Carolina, it's, it's not really a shocker. No, nobody inside the facilities seems shocked or taken away by this whatsoever. No, not really, man. I mean, you haven't heard any coaches coming out. This, you know, earlier today is the first time Beamer's actually said anything about it. I mean, you don't see any players tweeting about it, you know. Yeah, Beamer's just so nonchalant. It's like, oh, yeah, we wish him well. Um, I know he want to get back with Matt Rule. That's his old buddy and good for them. And, Yep, but uh, anyways, this is what I'm looking forward to coming to my university. Yeah. Yeah. Hell, it was more of a sales pitch than it was anything else. Yeah, really. So, you got that going on. Then, on top of that, Texas A&M fires their offensive coordinator. I don't understand. Sacrificial lamp, if there was ever a sacrificial lamp. That's exactly hard to say correct. I was just about to say, I mean... Everybody knows Jimbo's like Jimbo likes to call his own calls, his own plays. So for you to fire your offensive coordinator like he did, that's just trying to save face to save his job by himself some more time. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's just Jimbo literally took credit after beating LSU this past weekend. Well, what we do works. This is proof that what we do works. There's nothing wrong with what we do here. Well, if there's nothing wrong with what you do here, then why are you firing your offensive coordinator? Right. You damn sure stood up for your play calling and everything else. So feel bad for that guy, honestly. Cause Absolutely, man. I mean, that's a black eye on him. He hasn't really done – you know, he, he's done his best to it, you know, to do what he can do. And it's going to make a lot of teams t- take a second look at him with the kind of skills that – the skill players that A&M had and wondering why he wasn't able to, you know, to score as many points as what he could have and run the type of plays that he needed to. So, I mean, that's, you know, it's kind of put him in an awkward position. Well, that and also, I mean, 
from what I'm saying, these two have been pretty close. Yeah. So it's kind of like getting stabbed in the back. Like, it's like your buddy throwing you under the bus. Like, no, nah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. yeah next year we're going to get them. Next year we're going to get them. By the way, you're not going to be here. <laughs> I love you, buddy. But here comes the bus. Let's push you out front. Yeah, they can't afford my buyout, so uh, you got to go. Okay? <laughs> not to mention another offensive coordinator going down at Kentucky, UK, firing their offensive coordinator. Yeah, somebody called this one back in back in the spring when this hire was made. I'm not going to say no names or anything, but somebody present at this table said, "Yep, this ain't going to work." You sure did. You sure did. We can rewind the tape. He called it. I mean, I'm just saying, this this guy, you look at his resume, man, everywhere he's been, wasn't there very long. And when he was there, it was not the most productive offenses. Offenses struggled. Right. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It just a bad fit. It really was. It really was. Everybody knows UK's had their offensive line struggle this year, but – if you look at last year, that offensive line did great. What really changed? They had some young guys in there this year. But to me, the play calling was very different this year than it was last year. I mean, hell, the offensive line didn't look good, but at the same time, they didn't have no problem running the ball with Chris Rodriguez. Right. They didn't have no problems. Right. I think the play calling did not fit Will Levis personally. Right. I think it wasn't very familiar. I think the offensive line did not adapt to it well. It just it was a bad fit. That's the only way to put it. Is it was a bad fit. It didn't work out. And this offense regressed tremendously this year. <laughs> yeah, it just – I don't know what happened, man. If they just – it was a pass-blocking scheme that really didn't fit right or, or what it was, man. But like you said, they could run the ball with Rodriguez – it's just every time it seemed like that Levis would step back about every other play, he was he was getting sacked or getting rushed to the point where he couldn't complete the pass, had to get rid of it. It was just it was just a bad time in Lexington. Well, one thing I didn't understand is you're just in, in Kentucky is on a lot of the past plays, they never incorporated a six man to help pick up blitzes, no. to help pick up these guys getting through the offensive line. They basically were saying, all right, you five guys blocking. You got five guys. If they bring seven, uh, what do you do? <laughs> you ain't got nobody back there helping protect us. I mean, he's having to run for his damn life. And it just—it was a bad fit. Yeah, um, it was. It was a wonder that he was able to finish the season. It, it, it absolutely is. Absolutely is. Also, on some other news, Georgia Tech has announced that interim head coach Brent Key will be the official head football coach of Georgia Tech going forward. Yes, sir. How do you feel about this? I love it. I love it. I mean, look at what happened to Georgia Tech before they made Brent Key the interim head coach, man. I mean, they wouldn't win in anything. Man comes in and they win five or six games? Five games. Uh, five games. I mean, I think they won four under him this year. Yeah, one under the other coach and then four under him when it was looking like they wouldn't win anything else. I think they the last three seasons, if I'm not mistaken, they've gone three and nine. Yeah. And then, boom, five and seven. Yeah. Well, some very impressive wins thrown in there, by the way. Oh, absolutely, man. Look at what they did at Duke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look at uh, look at how they played North Carolina. Absolutely. 
They were a much improved team by far. By far. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. It looked like looked like they had something to play for whenever the new guy came in. And, you know, it looked like they had his back, and they, they really wanted him to take over as the coach. That's that's just how they played. Well, I mean, you bring a guy in there that's alumni, and so easy for the players to relate because they're like, hey, he, he's one of us. Right. This guy's one of us. He is bled for the school. He is sweated. He is poured tears. He is bled on this famed football field we're on. He's one of us. Yep. You'd go to war for somebody like that. And he put everything he had in his team, and they responded. It's going to be a great fit going forward, I really do think. I do, too. I do, too. I think Georgia Tech is a team in the ACC that you need to look out for going forward. Can't wait to see what he's able to do, you know, in the, you know, either in the portal or, you know, with uh, you know, getting the freshmen in. You know, it's, to make it his team, I'm, I'm excited to see what the future holds for Georgia Tech. No, absolutely, without a doubt, man. And um, it's just future is looking a little brighter for the Yellow Jackets. It really is. Absolutely. All right, we got one more coaching change in the news before we kick into reviewing this past weekend. Auburn. And speaking of coaches being alumni, what, what what's up, man? I mean, Cadillac. I'm sorry, but is it just me or did he have them guys playing pretty damn good football? Cadillac had them boys fired up, ready to to eat their own heads if they needed to to try to win the game, man. I mean, they they played their asses off under Cadillac. I mean, you got a guy that's alumni. You heard the players; they were bought in a hundred and twenty damn percent for Coach Caddy. Yep. And I I really enjoyed watching Auburn football after he took over for him to finish the season. Yep. But alas. Auburn trades in a Cadillac for an escort. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> oh, escort service freeze. Yes, sir. Hugh Freeze is your next Auburn head football coach. How does that make you feel? Uh, I can tell you exactly how it makes me feel. Why the hell did y'all fire Gus Malzahn? <laughs> for real. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just being serious, guys. At the end of 2020, you fire Gus Malzahn. Just uh, two years later, hire Hugh Freeze. You know what Hugh Freeze's biggest problem was? His biggest knock at Ole Miss? He couldn't beat Gus Malzahn. Right. I mean... <laughs> couldn't beat Gus. What, what the hell are we doing? He beat. He did beat Saban one time. I think he beat Gus one time. Yep. But all in all, he usually... He had... A mediocre at best record at Ole Miss. I mean, I think they did have a nine-win season. Though. I think they were nine and three one year, but they were consistently seven, eight wins while he was there. But uh, they did have some fantastic recruiting classes. But it just—I mean, what, what are we doing here, guys? What are we doing? I mean, Gus Malzahn. Had y'all a pretty damn competitive football team. Were you world beaters? No. But the Iron Bowl was pretty damn exciting. Every year. Every year. You competed with Bama. Every year you competed with Texas A&M, Arkansas, everybody. You, there was not uncompetitive football games thrown in there. And he was finding ways to win those games. Absolutely. I mean, he turned in consistent, pretty good results. Were you... Playing for the national championship? No, you weren't. 
But he gave you results. And he always had you in the conversation, at least. Yeah, you were relevant. It was relevant. So I'm sorry. Hugh Freeze, everybody can say everything they want about Hugh Freeze and Liberty. Hugh Freeze and Liberty. They've done so great. Who's Liberty played? I don't know. <laughs> you're, you're a bigger fish in a small pond. Yeah. A fish full of small fish. A pond full of small fish, including you. You're just a little bit bigger than the other ones. Yep. You're the biggest. That's like saying you're the biggest minnow in the pond. That's exactly right. I mean, I'm just saying, Liberty was 8-1, and, and they did beat Arkansas. I give them that. They beat Arkansas this year, but let's just be honest. Arkansas... Arkansas almost beat Arkansas numerous times this year. That is 100% true. They couldn't get out their own damn way this season. But they also lost to a three-win Virginia Tech team. Yep. That was the last game Virginia Tech played, I believe. I think you're right. They beat Liberty. So, yeah, hell, Virginia Tech's been one of the most pissed-off fan bases I've seen in college football this year. And you got beat. So when you come to Auburn and you're playing Texas A&M, you're playing Mississippi State, Ole Miss, LSU, Bama, what are you going to do? Because I hate to say it, man, but college football, this league ain't the same as it was six years ago. You're 100% right. I mean, going up against Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss on a regular basis, that's going to be tough. Yep. Nick Saban, he's still Nick Saban. He's still kicking ass. Yep. Hate hurts feelings, but he ain't faded. <laughs> he's a machine. Brian Kelly at LSU, they're playing good football, except this past weekend. <laughs> Jimbo Fisher, I mean, he, he's going to sneak up and win. And on a more regular basis than not, they're a damn good team. Yep. I just, I don't like this hire. I really don't either. I, there's a lot of other hires they could have done. Personally, I think they should have gave Cadillac at least a one-year chance to see what he can do. You know, you have other choices out there, too, that really, I think, could have been a bigger splash hire than you, Freeze. To me, it's just, I don't know, it, it, it just comes off kind of like a panic hire. Yeah. I honestly, I honestly feel like they were trying to get Lane Kiffin. And when they got turned down, they just, they panicked. Got to jump out and get somebody quick, 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 and grab him. I mean, everybody raised about Hugh Freeze. I mean, what about Coach O? Yeah, he had a couple bad years at LSU, didn't it? 2020 and 2021 was not kind. Right. But, hell, he just won a national championship three years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's more than what Hugh Freeze has done. You ain't wrong. Dan Mullen won the SEC East two years ago. Got fired last year, but, I mean, a guy that puts points on the board, known for developing quarterbacks, putting great offenses together. Yeah. I mean. And a hell of a recruiting talent. Yeah. He wears. I don't see where Hugh Freeze is better than him. I don't either. I don't know. And then, of course, you got Deion Sanders. Yeah. Prime. Coach Prime. Deion Sanders out there. Just had an undefeated season, by the way. Yeah. I mean, you could give him a shot. 
Well, there's just so many people out there. I'd be willing to take a chance on me. Hugh Freeze, we've seen this. Mm-hmm. We, we've seen this before. And history has a ch- uh, tends to repeat itself. And then there's a a clause <laughs> in your contract. And this is probably why they didn't land Lane Kittle. That you have to get that he had to give up all of his rights to his social media. He cannot run his own social media page. They had to run it for him. So my thing is, you're trusting a power five, normally upper tier power fo- football team. You're trusting this man to coach them, guide them, develop them the whole nine yards. But you don't trust him to have a Facebook. <laughs> he can't tweet. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of red flags already. There's already a lot of red flags. I'm sorry, but Auburn, I always, I ain't never been an Auburn fan, mm-hmm. but I've always had a respect for Auburn. I really have. I've always, if I've seen an Auburn game on, I'd normally tune in and watch it if Carolina wasn't playing or a lot of other teams ain't playing, but I, I'd always check out the Auburn game. Well, at least tune in just to see what's going on in the game. Yeah, I'd at least cut it on and watch 10 15 minutes. Just, just see what, how Auburn's doing, you know? Yeah. It's just one of the teams that always kind of intrigues you a little bit. But is it just me or are they becoming the damn Cleveland Browns of the SEC <laughs> West? Seems that way. Like, what in the hell is going on? Man, I don't know. I don't know if they lost the dang mind or. Or what's going on, man? I think it's. I think they're just so hungry to win and make themselves relevant again that they're willing to do anything to try to get there, whether it's to make a, a, a dumb bet or what it is. Uh, I don't know. I really just. I don't know. I don't like it. No, I don't either. I don't either, and I think in about two or three years, we're going to be right in the same spot we were at. <clears throat> that depends. <laughs> it depends on how long it takes for to check his phone bill. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Good thing is... Sean Watson's in Cleveland, so that's a hell of a lot further than Texas, so they can't be linking up, hanging out or anything. Dang, he went there. <laughs> All right. Well, guys, that's the breaking news we got for you. We're going to have another episode probably Thursday evening, depending on how the schedule works. Hopefully Thursday evening we'll have another episode. we got a lot of transfers and other things going on. We're going to talk about a lot of content. But uh, I think where we're at right now, about 30 minutes in. We don't want to run this thing too late. We're going to jump into this past weekend's games and review these rivalry scores, man. Yeah, let's do it, man. Where do you want to start at? Hey, let's start with ACC. All right. And we're just going to go to just ACC, the non-SEC involved games. Okay. So, first game out, we had NC State in North Carolina. It went into double overtime. One of the probably the game of the week for the ACC. North Carolina State pulls out a squeaker, thirty to twenty-seven. Yeah, I, 
You want to roll film and then go back? No, go ahead. You can go ahead and talk. What are we going to do? That'll work. We're winging this, guys. <laughs> All right. Once again, Matt Brown, what in the hell is going on, man? You look so promising. Like, I can't I can't say. I mean it just seems like when it comes toward the end of the season, he's so old, he's getting tired of something and falling asleep calling plays. I don't know. You know, I don't mean no disrespect when I say that, but it just seems like towards the end of the season it's always a little bit of a nosedive. Yeah, I mean, no disrespect to the Wolfpack. NC State, y'all played. Y'all had a hell of a roller coaster season, man. Y'all y'all gone through some tough times, and y'all found a way to pull this one out. Kudos to y'all. Much respect to you. Much respect. But NC State's playing, what, third-string quarterback, fourth-string quarterback? Yeah, something like that. I mean, this is a really beat-up team. Missing a lot of guys, and mm-hmm. North Carolina's been one of the best offenses we've seen all this year. The defense looked shaky at times, but looked to be much improved. And they just they they let NC State hang around in this one and hung around, and hung around, and that's probably you let teams hang around, they'll come up and bite you at the end. Yeah, absolutely, man. It you know it, it was almost kind of like watching the same game from last week with North Carolina, man. It just seemed like that secondary really had. The quarterback's number. Yeah. It's just it's disappointing, man, because, I mean, coming into this game, North Carolina was 9-2. Yeah. I mean, they lost. Hell, they lost last week. What, before the NC State game? Yeah, they lost last week. Yeah, so, hell, they were 9-1 two weeks ago, a little over two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And now here they are. They're finishing the season 9-3. NC State's finishing 8-4, which is – for NC State, eight and four, that is a damn respectable year. You got nothing to be ashamed of. You should be proud of that. I mean, you lost Devin Leary. Yeah. You lost your backup quarterback. You just so many injuries, so many problems throughout the year. To still finish eight and four, that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely, man. That's off. Yeah, and then for the Tar Heels to only finish one game ahead of them with as great as they have looked throughout the season, and they have done a great job of staying healthy. Mm-hmm. To only finish one game ahead of NC State, it's just a bit of a letdown. To have as talented of a quarterback as you have in Drake May, to have the wide receivers that you did, <clears throat> the offensive line, the defensive line was powerful, man. I mean, just to finish one game ahead, it's almost like your offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, they just started out from the beginning of the year with one game plan and finished with that same game plan at the end of the year when you had so much tape built up on you. Exactly. That, that, that's exactly how it comes off. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong, guys. Last year, North Carolina, you finished the season after the bowl game. I think you were 6-7. and seven. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, 9-3, yes, you have improved dramatically in a lot of ways. It's just frustrating because you see what could have been. It's like, Everybody talks about Clemson, but, man, this offense, y'all guys, if you just do a couple things different, just adjust, develop as the year goes on, change things up just a little bit, what could have been this year? Yeah, no kidding. So, I mean, if 
if game plans could have changed, I mean, there's there's no telling. You might have could have made the playoffs this year. You just don't. You just never know. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, what a bummer. But then again, they are going to the ACC championship. They do get a chance to take a crack at Clemson. So. We'll see how that goes this weekend. We're going to discuss that a little more tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to talk about that one. Yes, sir. Next game up, ACC on ACC action, is Wake Forest and Duke. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This was another one of those games that really went right right down to the wire. I know that we had a little bit of disagreement on it. You came out on top. Duke wins 34-31. But, man, this was a hell of a game all the way to the end. It absolutely was. And I just got to say something right here, right now. Mike Elko, coach of the year. Every league. Every league. Yeah. If not coach of the year, he is without a doubt first year coach of the year. Oh, yeah. There's there's no question about that. If he doesn't get the reward, throw the damn reward away. Don't do it because there's no way this guy doesn't deserve it. I mean, Duke won three games last year. And to turn them around and finish the season eight and four, and guys, when I say eight and four, I want y'all to think about something. Now they have four losses, mm-hmm. and those four losses combined, they only lost by sixteen points combined in those four games. Every game they lost, they were in it down to the wire. I think the widest margin of defeat they faced this year was eight points. Eight. I mean, you're 16 points away from looking at a 12 and 0 Duke. I, I just said that a 12 and 0 Duke and, in the first year. And who would have thought that? I damn sure wouldn't have. No, no. I know you. I know people laughed at me when I said that Duke could finish seven or eight wins this season with Elko coming in. But to think that they could have went 12 and 0 after a three win season—that's just mind blowing. It's boggling. It really is. I mean, this Duke Wake Forest game, that's why the other night when I picked Duke, me and you talked about it, and I know you was feeling your Demon Deacons. And I see you wearing your Demon Deacon shirt over there now. What a shame. <laughs> but the reason I picked Duke wasn't because I thought Duke could surprise them or do something fancy or special. I feel in my heart Duke was the better football team coming in this game. They were the better coach team, and they are, they've played better football all season. They really have. They have been a consistent. This team is the definition of consistency. Yeah, that's that's not a lie. I mean, they've definitely bought into the grind, man. I mean, you take a first-year quarterback and you turn him into a potential first-round draft pick. Absolutely. I mean, this kid is sensational. Absolutely. Duke's always been known for the offensive line, but you know in the recent years they've they've kind of a little you know been a little bit like Swiss cheese. But damn, if that hasn't been an iron curtain up front. Yeah, the offensive line's been great. Run game. They just they've been balanced, man. They've had a great rushing game. The quarterback play by Riley Leonard has been phenomenal. The defense has just stuck them in every single game and put up a hell of a fight. I mean, they just – this game came down to a field goal. But Wake Forest got beat from the start of the first quarter to the end of the fourth quarter. There was no question at any point during this game of who the better team was, in my personal opinion, from the start to the finish. 
Duke had a number. Duke had a beat. Absolutely. This was one of those games where you couldn't miss a possession from scoring. Because if you did, the the game was going to get away from you. And this was damn near the same exact team that played for the ACC championship last year in Wake Forest. Just a few key pieces missing, but still pretty much the same. Finished the season 11-3. Something like that. 11 and 3, 10 and 3. Might have been 10 and 3. It's 10 and 3. So, this is just great by Duke. I mean, 8 and 4, 16 points. Literally two touchdowns with two two point conversions. Two possessions, that's it. Mm-hmm. Two possessions away from being undefeated this year. I just, my mind is, I can't wrap my head around that. Yeah. Wake Forest finishes the season seven and five. I mean, my personal opinion in the preseason—that's around what I guess. I think I was figuring eight and four. Yeah, but I don't think any of us saw Sam Hartman having the health issues he had coming into the season. Well, the health issues and receivers dropping the ball because it seemed just—it seemed like they had better receivers last year, better hands last year. They had. You know, running backs that were able to block a little bit better. So, I mean, you know, they did have some losses there that, that kind of drove it down a little bit. But all in all, Wake Forest is still a great team and still has a bright future ahead of them, I think. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So, with all that being said, on to the next. Syracuse takes on Boston. Boston College. Boston College. It don't matter. Syracuse wins against Boston <laughs> College, thirty-two twenty-three. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And this this game was never in question. Yeah, ain't, a, ain't a whole hell of a lot you can say. I mean, no. that's the way it's been all year for Boston College. Is it's just Boston College. Yep. They've been doing Bostonish things they this really year. Have. They really have, and it's horrible because I expected a lot of Boston College this year, but. They just they never could get it together. Yeah, eaglish things. That's what we're gonna call eaglish things. They just they can't get out of funk. I mean, they did put up twenty three points in this game, but it just it, it wasn't a ball game. No, no, it wasn't. Syracuse had a number start to finish. Syracuse ends the season seven to five. Two games improved on last year, and I mean, considering you had a couple of games there without your starting quarterback Garrett Trader, who has been a huge threat this year. Your starting running back's been banged up throughout the year, who's also a huge, huge part of your game plan. Ending the season 7-5 to five after last year, big improvement. Absolutely. Going bowling. As for Boston College, I don't know, man. I mean, 2020, you came out looking red hot. You looked pretty damn impressive. Then 2021, it didn't look quite as good. Right. And then this year, the train came off the tracks. It really did. It really did. You know, I'm not sure what the biggest difference is. If it was because, you know, a lot of people might have given way due to COVID and, you know, helped you win some games or or what it was. It was just a coaching difference, I mean, playing difference. But your quarterback – Ain't looking like what he used to. It, it just looks like he's just been 
Well, I mean, you got to think. Jerkovic's been injured for a good majority of yeah. the season. About, well, I ain't say good majority. I say a little less. I want to say it was a little less than half season. It was a little past halfway point when he got hurt, but still. The thing about Jerkovic, though, man, is that is a constant for him. It just seems like every season he's getting hurt. He's not getting the protection that he needs. They're running him way too much. I was about to say, did you see his offensive line this year? Yeah. I mean, he snapped the ball and took about three steps, and he's getting hit. Yeah. And his team just didn't play motivated. I mean, I'll be honest, Jerkovic, Jerkovic and Zay Flowers, that's the only good two good takeaways I've had from Boston College to see. Those two guys played their asses off. They yeah. tried their damnest, and the backup quarterback came behind Jerkovic. I can't – I don't have his name right here in front of me, y'all, but he played his ass off when he came in there. But besides those three guys, I mean, man, it's, it's just a bad football team. Yeah. It's just a bad football team. It looked very poorly coached. I would not be surprised to see that any time in the next couple of days this coach being released. Yeah, I agree there. I'm kind of surprised that it ain't already happened. Absolutely. I mean, if you're Boston College you want to improve your football program, you, you better be figuring some things out quick, fast, and in a hurry because this is not a good trend. Mm-hmm. And especially in the NIL era, you do not want to become any less relevant. No, that's that's a fact. That is a fact. I mean, if you become the school that even though you're offering money to some to some kids to be able to come, you know, whether it's NIL or whatnot, if you don't have a reputation for at least attempting to win, they're gonna find better numbers somewhere else. Absolutely. I mean, these guys are wanting publicity. The end goal for just about all these college football players is can I get to the NFL? NFL. Bless you. The better your team is, the more attention you're going to get from the NFL. It's as simple as that. Point blank, plain and simple. You look at your top two draft picks, a very big majority of them are always from the best teams in the league. Three and nine, you're not getting a whole lot of attention. Hell, you're not getting a whole lot of guys wanting to come there for NIL because who the hell wants to sponsor a football team and spend a bunch of money yep. on a team that wins three games? Yeah, you ain't wrong. And if school's content with it, I mean, no, no, nobody's going to want to mess with that. Nobody's going to want to mess with that. You're, you're going to get stuck in a hole really fast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A hole that you can't dig yourself out of. Yep, so Boston College, I wish y'all well. I hope you get it figured out. I would love to see y'all get competitive again. You're a team that I always enjoy watching. Except this year, every time I watched it, it was like a hangover. I couldn't get out of my system. I mean, there was no Bloody Mary that could cure it. But hopefully we get it figured out. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. I wish y'all the best of luck. Good luck in the offseason. Good luck recruiting. But let's move on to the next. Yes, sir. Pittsburgh and Miami. And what a disappointment this was. I was thinking, okay, you know what? Miami has let me down numerous times this year. But they've also showed up in a few games, put some numbers up, and I'm like, you know what? They're playing for bowl eligibility. There is no tomorrow. This is it. Everything's on the line. They're going to come out here. Hurricanes are going to be a damn cat five coming out here against Pittsburgh. They're going to play football. And they got their asses kicked. Yes. I mean, 42-16. to 16, 
Pittsburgh finishes the year eight and four, which is doing damn good considering all the losses you lost last year. Between the NFL draft and transfer portal, that's very respectable. Yeah. But Miami finishing year five and seven after all the hype surrounding them. Coach Cristobal, hell, you made me drink the Kool Aid. Turns out it was a Colt and it was spiked. <laughs> it was laced with hallucinogens. I guess. I don't know what it was laced with, but. This is a really bad football. You ain't far from being Boston College. No, you're really not. You, you, you're at the same level as Boston College, in my honest opinion. Y'all, y'all are right there. Boston College is down here, and you were like one step up, maybe. Right. Uh, half a step. And I get this is your first year at Miami, but look at what uh, Justin Fuentes, or not Justin Fuentes, excuse me. Um, Mike Elko. Yeah, look at what Mike Elko did. Well, that's the thing, man. The excuse of being a first-year coach, that some schools I can buy it. Mm-hmm. There's some programs where I can accept you losing less games than you did last year, being the same as you were last year. Some situations. But Miami, I mean, this team does not lack talent. No. By any means, I mean, your quarterback coming into this year, that that was a potential Heisman candidate. Everybody was, matter of fact, he was one of the favorites to win the Heisman this year. He was one of my favorites. He was a final or a preseason favorite to win the Maxwell mm-hmm. Award. And you come out here and finish year five and seven, and let's be honest, guys, it, it very well could have been three and three and nine. Yep. Hell, it could have been two and ten, if you want to be honest. Yeah. You did not play good football. This year, not at all. There's a there's a couple times where he kind of showed out a little bit and showed potential, but it just it never happened. And I'm just extremely disappointed because you got a head coach coming in there with so much experience, and Mario Cristobal, and you're supposed to be an offensive guru. Cristobal is supposed to be an offensive genius, man, putting yep. points on the board. And, yep. And not to mention a former offensive lineman who won a championship at Miami. Yeah, and your offense was worse this year than it has been the last two years. Mm-hmm. It's worse than the dude that you fired before you. Man, it is. Yeah. This team, hell, they finished worse. Five yep. and seven. Man, Diaz finished seven and five. Yep. I mean, where the hell – talk about getting – Kicked in the teeth, man. I mean, yeah, time and time again this season, man. I mean, you know, we both said going into it, Mario Cristobal was going to get this team right. His words of encouragement, his pep talks. I mean, they had both me and you both fired up whenever we listened to him on YouTube and whatnot. But there's a difference between saying it and coaching it. And you did a crap job coaching it. And what's bad, man, is just the team at the end of the season, to me, this Pittsburgh game, they just – they should have ended the season last week. They shouldn't even – they should not have even dressed out against Pittsburgh because this yeah. team against Pittsburgh, man, I mean, it just looked like it had absolutely zero fire. They looked like the season was already over. Like, okay, we're done. We're just going to get this over with. After the second pit touchdown, heads started hanging, and you could just see the give up in their eyes. 
Yeah, it is. And I mean, I get it. Tyler Van Dyke's been injured for most of the season. Hell, he's played in some games he shouldn't have played in because he was hurt. That's another knock on the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. But your backup quarterback, second stringer, five-star quarterback, Jake Garcia. Yeah. Your third-string quarterback, number 11, what the hell is his name? I can't think of his damn name off the top of my head. But guess what? Five-star quarterback. You got talent out the yin-yang on this team. Five and seven ain't going to cut it, man. No. And with the recruiting class you got coming in at 23, I'm going to tell you right now. Well, they've already had a few decommitments. They've had a couple, but they still got one hellacious class. Yeah. The recruits you got coming in the next year. I don't know what this transfer portal is going to look like. I imagine it's going to be fairly ugly. But with the recruiting class you have coming in the next year, if you do not turn better than five and second, five and seven in 2023, I think Crystal Ball's turn there might be a lot short, shorter than expected. Uh, yes, a lot shorter than expected, I believe. As far as Pittsburgh, keep up the good work, Panthers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Keep chugging along. Yeah, I mean, surprisingly, I figured that Pitt would end up, you know, about where Miami is at 5-7 and seven after everything that they've lost. But dang, if I wasn't wrong and, and proud of them. No, absolutely. I think I was figuring they were going to be around 7-5 and five this year. I can't remember why I said it was. I won't say it was around seven and five. Yeah, but eight and four, you're still right there in that area, and I'm I'm, I'm content with that because there's a lot of pauses, man. You got a lot of youth on that team, and you still manage to do this here. I mean, I can see Pitt making another run for another ACC championship. I do too. I really can too. Yep. All right. Well, on to next. Our last teams of the ACC we got discussed. They didn't have a game this past weekend, but it was supposed to be Virginia and Virginia Tech. That game was canceled, and Virginia Tech also agreed that not only were they going to cancel the game with Virginia, but they were also not going to play anybody else in their place to try to get that fourth win of the season. So Virginia Cavaliers going to finish season three and seven. Virginia Tech's going to finish it out at three and eight. Both of these teams' first year head coaches. Virginia, I just I don't know. With the Cavaliers, it's been a very rough year. I don't know what to say. I'm not even going to try to say anything just because on top of rough football season, the horrible tragedy happened in the year, I just – I'm not going to touch that. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. It's, it's been, a, you know, some up and downs there in Virginia and Hokie Town. They're not where we can't. Whoville, Whoville. Excuse me. Man, they about to come after your ass. Ain't they though? But I know it's been a rough time out there, and you know, especially with the tragedy, man, it's just really hard to, you know, to really give, you know, any sort of a, a real feedback with, you know, that grieving and everything still going on. Absolutely, absolutely. Virginia Tech, on the other hand, I'm not trying to change things up, but uh. It's like I just don't know where to go with that. So, mm-hmm. one thing I will say is we, we are continuing our thoughts, prayers for y'all. We'll be thinking of y'all for a long time to come. 
Absolutely. Down the road, Virginia Tech, y'all finished year three and eight. I can say a few things about this one. Yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and hear that. <clears throat> you finished year three and eight. Major disappointment from the expectations of the fan base, how the expectations we have. We both bought into Kool-Aid. We think Virginia Tech is going to be a lot better than what they were. But I got to be honest with you. Virginia Tech, after a 3-8 and eight season, I have more confidence in them going forward at the moment than I do Miami after a 5-7 and seven season. And Miami's got a way better recruiting class than everything else. I oh, know, I can agree. Virginia Tech, I mean, three and eight. Guys, it was a bad year. It was bad. It was a bad, bad, bad year. First and foremost in college football nowadays, if you don't have a quarterback, you're trying to ice skate up a damn mountain. It don't work. But your quarterback play this year has not been up to standard. Hell, it ain't even been. It ain't been lukewarm. Very poor quarterback play. The Russian offense has not been there. Offensive coordinator just has not done a good job with his team this year. No, he really hasn't. And let's just be honest. When you don't have a quarterback that you can really trust to get the ball down the field, other teams are going to end up loading up the box and stopping that running game. And you're not going to have a running game, nor are you going to have a passing game. And that's pretty much what happened this season with uh, – Virginia Tech. Yeah, pretty much any time they force Grant Wells to try to win the game with his arm, they go further in the hole. Yeah, disaster happened. But the team did get better as the year got on. Hell, even Grant Wells got better as the year got on, which I still don't know what the hell happened to him because Marshall, he was very impressive. Yeah. I thought this was going to be a good match, and it just has not worked. But now, let's be honest. I mean, the difference between – the division that Marshall's in and the uh, ACC. I mean, there's just better play all the way around in the ACC. You've got better defenses, you know, better coverages, things of that nature. Marshall beat Notre Dame this year. Marshall did beat Notre Dame this year. You are correct. Notre Dame beat the breaks off Clemson and North Carolina. True. Marshall's better than Clemson and North Carolina. Makes sense, right? <laughs> I thought I had y'all for a minute. But uh, Virginia Tech did improve as year went on. As frustrating as it was, there was a lot of penalties. They hurt themselves a lot this year. But one thing I can say is Virginia Tech in every game they did play in, they fought. They played. They never lost that fire in their eyes. The defense never gave up. The defense, by the way, played damn good football. Yes, they gave up some pretty high yardage in some games, but at the same time, if your offense can't move the ball, your defense ain't going to hold up so long. I don't care how good you are. Yeah, they only hold up so long for the attack. Don't believe me, look what happened with Clemson this past weekend. Yeah. But they did make progress, and – Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom before you can rise above the ashes, if you know what I mean. 
and I feel like this was their rock bottom, and I feel like it's going to be up from here for Virginia Tech. I could agree with that. I now see them. I know a lot of people are still really calling for them to go ahead and fire Coach Pryor right off the rip after the first season. But man, you're going to have to give the give the guy time to get his players in to to really get everything set away. Yes, he is going to have to make some coaching changes this season, especially at offensive coordinator, I believe. But give the man time. I, I think he was the right man for the job. Yeah, I think so, too, and I think he will show that. He's making progress. I'm telling you guys, I feel like you bottomed out at 3-8. I feel like you hit bottom, and right here is where you start going up. I mean, this program has been on a downward trend before he got there. Yes, they were still bowl eligible, but let's be honest, guys. Virginia Tech last year, I think that's got to be hands down the worst six-win team I have ever damn watched. Yeah. It was miserable. Hell, the games they won were miserable. I was falling asleep watching games that they won. Yeah. I literally, if I want to go to sleep, I cut all Virginia Tech games. (laughs) They're making progress. This team will be better next year. Miami, I feel like you're... I feel like you're still falling. I don't think you've hit bottom yet. That scares me. It really does. Boston College, I think you are I think you jumped out of airplane without a parachute. <laughs> <laughs> you just free falling. Yeah. So that being said, man, let's kick on over to the SEC side of things. Yes, sir. Let's go ahead and talk about that Mississippi State Ole Miss game. This is the Turkey Day. Yes, sir. Turkey Day game. Egg bowl. Yes, sir. I watched this with a full belly of food. I was <laughs> miserable as hell. <laughs> and this game made me more miserable for the majority of it. <laughs> to me, man, this might have been the second most exciting game of the week, especially in the fourth quarter with all with everything that happened, man. Yes, Mississippi State wins this game 24-22, but this was such a close game going down the pike. It was exciting, but it was just extremely frustrating to watch, too, because it's like, damn, like, who's giving it to who? Mississippi State, no, we're going to give the game to Ole Miss. Ole Miss, oh, no, it's yours. Just take it. Like, I felt like Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach were just going to throw on some boxing gloves and go to meet at the 50-yard. I'm like, you know what the hell with the game? Let's just settle it ourselves here (laughs) because this football game just ain't working. Right, exactly. Mississippi State in the fourth quarter goes up to take the lead. And get the, get to the twenty four mark. They then they then kick the ball off, and Ole Miss has the ball. Throws a backwards pass. It's fumbled. Referees rule it incomplete. Then upon review, it's ruled as a you know as, as a loose ball. Mississippi State takes over. They make a run all the way down to that to the one inch line, if that. I personally think that was a touchdown. I feel like the ball hit the pylon before it was out of bounds. But upon review, it's, it's confirmed that the ball, would, you know, that it was short. However, at that point, they placed the ball at the one-yard line, not the one-inch line, the one-yard line. Mississippi State takes over, and Mr. Rogers takes over, takes the ball, fumbles. Ole Miss takes the ball from the one-yard line, drives it all the way downfield, scores a touchdown. 
line up for two. They call two timeouts back to back because they couldn't get what they wanted to lined up. Then they take the ball and then they run a little shovel pass. Ball gets knocked down. Incomplete pass. Old, uh, Mississippi State holds off to win the game. That right there is why I about went insane. Because <laughs> it was never fucking ending. So I'm sorry, football games got in sooner. <laughs> I mean, you just described like the last 45 seconds of the game. It took you five minutes. <laughs> Shit. Yes, sir. That's 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 exactly how the game went, guys. I'm not. I ain't I ain't giving Rob hell. I'm, that's exactly how the game went. I was sick of it. <laughs> Damn that. <laughs> but yeah, I'm telling you what, man. It, it, to me, it was a great ending to a good game. Mississippi State pulls out the victory. Sends Lane Lane Kiffin off. Presumably with a loss to Auburn, and then he ends up turning the Auburn job down, I guess, and decides to sign a contract extension in Ole Miss. Great decision, too. Great decision. I like that. Yes, sir. But yeah, both teams end up finishing the season, regular season, 8 and 4, so pretty respectable for both of them. Mississippi State, I still don't like the inconsistency you got going on, but. It is what it is. I mean, seven, eight wins, you can't really fire a coach for doing that because Mississippi State ain't ever been a consistent 11-win team. So, I mean, he's holding his own, so you can't get rid of Mike Leach for that, I wouldn't think, because you could very well end up being a five-win team for the next three or four years. Yeah, no kidding. Ole Miss, I mean, you lost a lot of guys, and you hold it at eight and four. It's respectable, very respectable. Mm -hmm. On to the next, Friday night, Arkansas, Missouri. Another game, another game where I just sit there scratching my head for four quarters saying, what in the hell am I watching? I say Friday night, it's Friday afternoon, but. Yeah. I was playing this game. (laughs) But it's just, final score, Missouri 29, Arkansas 27. It's just a whole lot of this game where I'm just, I don't understand it. It's like Sam Pittman, man, I I love Sam Pittman. Sam Pittman's a shiznit. But it's like, what are you doing, Sam? Right. Did you did you get a couple of them cold beers? <laughs> this Missouri defense is good, but damn. He's still hung over from the night before. Turn down that damn jukebox. Don't turn it up. <laughs> In Missouri, you win at 29-27, but Brady Cook played a hell of a game. We called that a bowl game last year. Brady Cook's a hell of a quarterback. Oh, yeah. But it's like every Missouri game I watch, it's just like, y'all could be so good. Y'all could be so good. And then y'all can look so bad. Absolutely. Even when you win, you look bad. It's like, damn. Absolutely, man. I mean, let's be honest. This Missouri defense it looks like it could be the best defense other than Georgia and the SEC. They do look powerful. They, they look hungry. But then there's other times when they come out and they just they lay an egg. Uh, I don't even want to talk about this game <laughs> no more. Both these schools finished season six and six. Arkansas, that's a 
disappointment after you had last year, the hype you had coming into the season. But then again, you've had some injuries. You're starting, you're starting quarterback KJ Jefferson. I mean, he got injured earlier the year. I'm pretty sure he's been banged up since then because he has not looked like himself. Your defense has had a ton of injuries and secondary. It's just been a struggle for Arkansas. Missouri, on the other hand, six and six. I feel like I'm watching the same thing on repeat. It's like you're not better, but you're not worse. Right. Which which way are we going here? Are we going to go forward or are we going to go back? You're just sitting there at the same spot. Yep. And Eli gets an extension. I don't know what the hell. I mean, props to him. Right. Because I don't know what in the hell. Why? Yeah, for real. I mean, it's your your program just sitting there stagnant, really. I mean, you're not getting worse. You're not getting better. You're just staying the same year in and year out. Exactly. I mean, it's just you'll win a couple games that'll make everybody think you're pretty good, and then you're going to suck. Mm-hmm. And several other games. It's just the same thing over and over again. Yeah, it's just it's just like there's coaches that have Eli's number, and then Eli's got a lot of coaches' numbers. So it's like they even out at the end. Absolutely. Well, enough of the enough of that. <laughs> Next game up Friday night, the Florida Gators took on number sixteen in the nation, Florida State. No, no, they weren't number 16 at the time, were they? I don't think so. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were. Were they? Yeah, yeah. Number 16 in the nation, Florida State. And coming into this game, I was thinking, Florida did lose to Vanderbilt. So, they're going to be pissed off. They're going to come out in this thing. They're going to come out here ready to prove a damn point to somebody. We're going to see the same Florida we saw against South Carolina. This this is going to get ugly. And for the first two quarters, Anthony Richardson came out there, and he looked like Anthony Richardson in that South Carolina game. I'm watching. I said, oh, boy. Yep. Here goes the Seminoles. This is not going to be a pretty <laughs> night. But the Florida State just kept hanging around. They wouldn't go away. Right. And then Florida State's offense started bullying the Florida Gator defense to me. Started pushing them around. Yeah. Jordan Travis looked like a friggin' Heisman contender out there. I'm going to go ahead and say that. I've criticized that young man over the years. He, that's got to be one of the best games I've ever seen him play. To me, the biggest difference, though, to be able to give him that type of confidence to play that way has been this running game. Oh. They were able to run it all over the field in Florida. They really they look like old school Florida State. Yes, sir. But. Back to my original point was Florida Gators. After halftime, Anthony Richardson took a little bit of a shot. And he just he wasn't the same the rest of the game. He really wasn't. I mean, he – I think it got to a point there where he had – I think he was like 3 of 15 passing or something. He had a little stretch there, 4 of 15. It was awful. Goodness. And Florida State won this game. And I got to be honest with you guys. The better football team won. Yeah. Florida State came out there and they pushed Florida around. The offense pushed the Florida defense around. The Florida State defense 
started having their way with the Florida offense towards the end of that game. I mean, it just – the better team won. You, you ain't lying. Florida State did. Long overdue. Very long overdue. Florida, Florida Gators finished season 6-6. Six and six. They, In my personal opinion, I, just, I don't feel like they've gotten any better. I don't feel like they've gotten any worse. I don't know where they're at. I think they are going to get better with Napier. I do think they have their guy. Yeah. I do believe in him. But Florida State, man, I mean, 9-3. Yeah, who would have thought it? Damn job well done. Mike, Mike Norville, I'm sorry. Me too. I was wrong. I apologize wholeheartedly. I was wrong. You're the man for the job. And y'all did the damn thing. Hats off to you. That's, uh, I got nothing but respect. And Florida State, I am, I am so happy. It's been a privilege to watch Florida State this season show a resemblance of the Florida State of the Bobby Bowden days. Yeah, for real. And, you know, after this game, to see the Florida State fans rush the field, they, it was well-deserved for them. You know, it, they've had a little to nothing to really celebrate after this game. I mean, it was just really heartwarming. No, absolutely, it really was. It really was. It just it was a great feeling to beat Florida Gators on Bobby Bowden Field. Hasn't been done in quite some time. Just a great feeling, man. Just great. Very sentimental win for Florida State. Absolutely. Yes, sir. But uh, on to Saturday. How about Georgia and Georgia Tech, man? You know, this, the score dictates what I figured it would be. But going back to watch the game, Georgia Tech really did play their hard outs and really, really put forth more of an effort and had a better game than what I thought they would. No, they really did. They actually showed they showed a lot of fight in this game, I feel like. They just – Georgia Tech at this time is not a good matchup for the Georgia Bulldogs. No. They don't match up to them well. Excuse me, let me phrase that. Georgia is just too much for them. Georgia is too much for anybody at this very moment, the way it's looked. I mean, they finished the season 12-0. and 0. You let a 12-0 team play at 5-17, this is what you get. Yeah. But all in all, it felt – I don't know, it just felt different than it had in years past. It felt, felt like a little bit of chippiness was in there, and they played – Georgia Tech played with a little bit of fire. Yeah. I mean, hell, they got two touchdowns. I'll be honest with you, I didn't expect that. No, I figured it'd be a but shutout game. I figured it'd be a goose egg on their end. Absolutely. So, that being said, Georgia finishing the year 12-0. Congrats to Kirby. Yep. Once again, going undefeated in the regular season. He's done an incredible job this year because i got to be honest with you, last year's team I feel like was a good bit more talented than this current team as far as natural talent goes. But this team here has been more – I would have to say, they've, to me, they have appeared more focused and almost a little bit better coached this season. And they've also felt a little bit more hungry, like they wanted another championship. 
Yeah, they wanted to prove all the naysayers wrong, show everybody that they can do it back to back. Especially Stetson Bennett, man. What kind of year has that kid had? Oh, absolutely. He's played lights out all year. I mean, he's been fantastic, especially for a walk-on. Yeah. So, nothing but credit to him, especially also for Kirby to let JT Daniels go and be like, hey, we're sitting on Stetson Bennett, just so everybody knows. Yeah. So, hats off to him. Congratulations to those guys. Georgia Tech finishing 5-7. and seven. I feel like this program is moving in the right direction, even though you didn't, you're not bowl eligible. I mean, you look at years past, this team, the new coach they're moving forward with, this is a good combination, guys. This, he's going to get you all back in bowl contention, playing for bowl games. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sneak up and get a seven or eight win season here soon. Yeah, as early as next year. Possibly. Yes, sir. All right. On to the next. Ooh, my favorite game of the week. <laughs> South Carolina goes into Clemson for the Palmetto Bowl. Number eight, Clemson. Number eight, Clemson. And guess what happens? They pull the upset. They win 31-30. For the second time in two weeks, South Carolina beats a top eight football team. And I got to tell you, man, this was a hell of a game. I felt like I aged 50 damn years watching it. That was a very emotionally draining game. But hats off to Shane Beamer. I mean, at halftime, your team's trailing by nine points. And you're going into halftime, and you tell the reporter, after Spencer Rallo had a very, a pretty damn bad half of football. President tells him, oh, no, he's going to play better. He knows he's going to play better. Listen, we're going to win this football game because of Spencer Rattler. Straight called at halftime and said, we're going to win. And it's going to be because of Spencer Rattler. And in that second half, man, Spencer Rattler played his ass off. Played great football. Nate Atkins, the tight end, one of the best catches I've ever seen in college football, especially for a tight end. My personal MVP of the season. Absolutely. Kai Kroger, sensational, <laughs> sensational. I don't think I've ever seen a punter pin somebody back that many times in one game. Reminds me of old Todd Sauer, bro. He used to pay for, play for the Panthers in the early 2000s, number 10. Mm-hmm. Reminds me a lot of him. Reminds me of that, and he also reminds me as far as his personality goes with Pat McAfee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got a lot of character. But, uh, this is a great game. DJ Leungley held only 99 yards through there. Will Shipley did get 130 rushing yards, but South Carolina defense just came out of halftime. They played their asses off. Ben don't break mentality. Mm-hmm. And they just hung around this thing all the way to the end. It's like I said earlier. You let a team hang around to the end, there's a lot of times that team's going to come up and bite you. And the yeah. worst part is, I don't even know if Clemson really – Clemson had an opportunity to put this game away. But if you really go back and look at the game, this shouldn't have been a one-point ball game. No. I mean, hell, one of Clemson's touchdowns came off of a pick six. Yep. Then they had another interception in the red zone where South Carolina was about to score. I mean, there's a lot of things. This game could have been a lot different. It really could have. It really could have. I mean – and then for Mitch Jeter to come in and seal it 
like he did with, I believe it was three or five minutes left, something like that. And for the defense to hold out long enough to win the game thirty-one by one point, 31-30, that says a lot about your defense. Well, what even the defense held on damn special teams? Yeah. Nate Atkins forced the fumble. Yep. Forced the damn fumble and Carolina recovers. That's ball game. Yes, sir. But that well, being said, hats off South Carolina. Second year Shane Beamer, you're finishing the year eight and four. This program is continuing to trend in the right way. It's really looking good. Can't say enough about that. Hats off to him. I was pretty hard on him a couple weeks ago. And I I'm a gotta eat crow. Gotta eat crow, man. That's all I can do, and I will happily do it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I've said it once and I've said it again. South Carolina couldn't have found a better coach than Shane Beamer for what they need. Uh, you're absolutely correct about that. And also, we got to give respect out there to Clemson, man. Yeah. Finished the season 10 and 2. You had a little bit of a down year last year. I think they finished 9 and 3 last year. But Dabo comes back. It's a 10 win season. You were in the playoff conversation at the end, even though you're not going to get there. Mm hmm. Just being a part of that conversation says a lot about your program. So, hats off to Clemson. You fell down this one to the Gamecocks. We own your asses for the next year. <laughs> Just want to remind you that. And now you got to come to Willie B. Don't get cocky, Rob. <laughs> but uh, all in all, that was a great game. Next one, Louisville, Kentucky. Not much to really say about this one, man. I mean, I took Louisville for this game, but Louisville just looked like a fish out of water. Yeah, I think this is another one that we disagreed on. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I figured Louisville would come in and be able to get that rush going on to Will Levis, and they did get to him once or twice. But all in all, man, I mean, Kentucky just had just had a better game. Yeah, Kentucky's man. Look, it wasn't even that Kentucky played good. Louisville just played like Louisville. Mm-hmm. They just they hadn't been impressive all year. I don't know why they were ranked number twenty five. I've just not been impressed with this team. Scott Satterfield, I'm not impressed with him. Kentucky should have been a favorite ten out of ten times in this game. I'm actually disappointed Kentucky didn't beat them worse than they did. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, just going back and watching it, I mean, Kentucky just had their number all the way through the game. I mean, Will Levis threw some dimes. Rich Rod does what Rich Rod does. It eats up the yards, eats up the clock. You know, again, Kentucky's offensive line was a little bit of a detriment. Louisville was able to get to Will Levis a few times, but – not enough to really count. Yeah. It's just... Louisville right now is not ready to compete against Kentucky. No. Right now the Wildcats home. Yeah. That's all there is to it. Yeah. You're right. And I believe it's going to stay that way for the foreseeable future until some changes are made. So, all in all, Louisville finishes the year out 7-5. I want to say. Yeah, 7-5. Mm-hmm. Kentucky finishes their season out 7-5. Louisville, 
I don't know why, but seven of I cracked on Virginia Tech a little while ago. To me, you're the worst seven of five team I've seen this season. Don't know how the hell you got seven wins. Y'all need to give Malik Cunningham a statue next to Lamar Jackson because he's probably going to have back problems for carrying that damn team this year. Just, I don't know, I'm just pissed off a little. They just, they, they let me down. I thought they were going to be so much better. They're a bad football team. They are the worst 7 5 football team I've seen. Yeah. And Kentucky, just, I don't know. The injuries this year played a huge factor. Rich Rod, legal troubles yep. played a big factor. Offensive coordinator played a big factor. It, Kentucky just took a step back this year. Yeah, that offensive line was the biggest factor. And it's going to be interesting to see if Mark Stoops can make some adjustments and find his mojo because when you're a program like Kentucky, man, it's got a great basketball team and the football season starts looking good and then you start to fall off. It's, it does not take much for that fan base to start backing off. And drifting away and yeah. pulling their attention with basketball. Exactly. So, all in all, disappointing game. I was It was not an entertaining game for me. Next one, Alabama-Auburn. Final score, Alabama took it, 49-27. Alabama finishes year 10 2. Auburn finishes year 5 7. And guys, this is final score 49 27. But I just want to say this game to me, it might not have been close on the scoreboard, but shout out to Cadillac Williams because this game felt competitive from start to finish. He never gave up. He kept that team energized, didn't back up a bit. They were not, they're, they're just, they're, on, they're two different programs right now, two different levels. Mm-hmm. Auburn's a bit of a, Dumpster fire. Right. A smoldering dumpster fire. And Cadillac Williams came in there and really was turning things around with that program. And I was actually very impressed with how Auburn played. I was more impressed with how Auburn played Saturday than I was Alabama. Yeah, absolutely. Same here. I know know when Cadillac took over the team, we both had a little bit of questions about – if he would be able to do anything with this team, if he was a good enough coach. Oh, he had these boys where they would dig out their guts, eat them and ask for seconds. They, they just, they would, they would die for Cadillac Williams. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, they played really good, man. They really, really good. I'm disappointed to see him not get to a bowl game because I would love to see him Cadillac could have done for one more game, but with the whole Hugh Freeze situation and Cadillac kind of getting shafted, I feel like it just sucks. It does. Absolute sucks. But all in all, shout out to Cadillac for getting Auburn to get together towards the end of the year. Shout out to that team for coming back to life and putting up a little bit of fight towards the tail end of that season, showing us that they did have some energy left in them. Shout out to Nick Saban for winning his – what, 10th straight 10 win season? Yeah. 11th straight. Just 11th straight 10 win season. That's pretty freaking unreal. Oh, yeah. Unheard of. Goat. That's why he's the best college coach of all time. He's a machine. Damn right. Damn Terminator. Gets cut on the sideline, doesn't even phase him. <laughs> but, uh, 
all in all, guys, it was a pretty good iron ball. A pretty good iron ball. So, can't complain. Next one up. LSU versus Texas A&M. Texas A&M pulls this thing out 38-23. to 23. I got two words for you. Brian Kelly. Yeah. When you need this win the most, when it's all on the line, just got to have it, got to have it, got to have this win to get to the playoffs. For whatever reason, can't do it. It's a mental block. It's been that way since Notre Dame. I used to think Notre Dame just wasn't a good team. The more I think about it, Notre Dame's actually had some pretty hellacious talent on their teams over the years. Some really good players. But they just couldn't win the big one. Yep. And I think it's something with Kelly. I don't know what it is. It's kind of maddening. It's almost like he's got a mental block when it comes to the big games. Like when the spotlight is right on him. It's just like he freezes and you don't know what to do. Yeah. All in all, happy for LSU for turning it around. You get nine wins this season. That's pretty great. That's pretty great for the last two years. Nine, three. Mm-hmm. Very respectable. You had your name in the pl- mentioned in the playoff race. So, like I said about Clemson, that's special. That's something to be proud of. But... I think Brian Kelly's the man for the job. If you want this football team to be a 9-10 win team, be relevant in national contention, he's the man for the job. Right. I think if you want to win a natty, I think you still might not have your guy. I just I don't know. Yeah. Remains to be seen. Yeah. Texas A&M, Jimbo, where the hell has that been all year? <laughs> for real. That damn running back, they got A-Chain. Yep. Looked freaking incredible. That looked like a damn – that's a future NFL back. Yeah, no doubt. No question about it. He ran up, down, side to side, ran all over his LSU offense. The rookie quarterback – don't have his name in front of me. Freshman. Mm-hmm. Looked great. Looked very poised. Made some great throws when he needed to. Moose Muhammad yep. looked incredible out there. Where has this been all year? I mean, if, if Texas A&M plays like this all year, we're probably talking about Texas A&M making a run for the playoffs right now instead of LSU in that situation. Oh, yeah. Very frustrating. But I'm going to tell you what, this is probably – I think I enjoyed this college football game more than I have any college football game in a good while. I don't know what it was, but I swear this got to be the – this was the most physical – Football game I have watched in quite some time. Oh, you ain't wrong. I mean, every single hit just looked like it shat, just made their bones rattle. Yeah. Just hell of a game. Yeah, just physical. I mean, you could tell this was a rivalry with the two teams. No, no, no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. But hate it for AM, finished 5 and 7. Love it for LSU. I just. I don't know what to say about it, really. No, there ain't really much more to say. I mean, Texas A&M has had a disappointing year. LSU, they've actually been a surprise to me. I didn't figure that they would win as much as what they did this year. So kudos to them. Jimbo's going to have to figure something out. 
Let's move on to the next. All right. Last but not least, we've made it to the final one. The final countdown. And it was the worst damn game of rivalry weekend. <laughs> Ain't that some shit? It wasn't even a game. It wasn't. I hated it. I, it made me sad, man. Vandy's had such a good run. Yeah. Number 10, t- Tennessee, took on Vanderbilt in Nashville and beat them like a redheaded stepchild. 66-0. It was ridiculous. It wasn't fair. I mean, for the word go, Milton, quarterback for Tennessee, just throwing dimes out. I mean, Tennessee's drives. I think they had four different drives in this game that were less than 30 seconds. Jeez. Vandy yeah. didn't have a chance. No, they really didn't. They really didn't. They were coming off of that South Carolina game pissed off and just ready to ready to take their frustrations out on Vanderbilt. They really were, man, and they, they did it. They sure did. They had their way with them. I'm talking about it, it was bad. Yeah. It was really, it was hard to watch. And I felt so bad for him. I'm just like, hang in there, guys. It'll be over soon. It'll be over soon. 30 seconds later, another Tennessee touchdown. I'm like, damn, can we, can we get a mercy rule in here? <laughs> Something real. You know, Vandy coming off of the big wins that they had. I mean, it was just, you knew they probably didn't have a chance this game with Tennessee's offense as high-powered as what it was. And then Hinton Hooker goes down here like, well, they might have some kind of a chance. They didn't skip a beat with Mackenzie Milton. No, that wasn't Mackenzie Milton. Or I think it's Joe Milton. Joe Milton. I, I can't remember Joe I can't remember his first name guy. My last name's Milton. <laughs> Mackenzie Milton graduated last year at Florida State. You're right. But uh no, Tennessee just beat them senselessly. It wasn't fun to watch, but they finished year ten and two, very respectable. Hated him to hook or couldn't end the season man, because he had that house wrapped up. I was so thrilled for him and mm-hmm. See him in the season the way he is. God, my heart just goes out to that young man. But that program is moving in the right direction. It really is. Josh Heupel was definitely the right man for the job. Tennessee's back in national relevance. I mean, they're they're a legit contender for a natty. They really are. They just came up a little short this year. Absolutely, man. They came up, you know, just one game short. But this is the first time Tennessee's felt like Tennessee since the early 2000s. I mean, this feels more like early 2000s, late 90s Tennessee football. Absolutely. So, it's great to see them be back. And Vanderbilt, guys, I mean, you, you didn't make a bowl game. But you know what? Five to seven, I think you can be proud of that, honestly. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, think about how the years finished out. You know, three, four years before. I mean, your last three, you had a two-game winning streak against SEC schools. That was the first time you'd, and this was the first year, or the first time in 19 games that you beat an SEC opponent, Mm -hmm. and then you beat another one after that. Yep. I mean, hey, that's something to be proud of, man. You're making progress. Clark Lee, the way that program's looked the last couple of years, Year number two, this is a big step forward for us guys, so got to love it. Got to love it. Absolutely, man. Well, all that being said, man, this podcast went a little longer than I expected. <laughs> but uh, you got anything you want to add to this thing? No, sir. No, sir. Just sad to see regular season over with, ready to get the bowls here. 
You can watch some more football. Well, the thing is, man, even when the football games end, our season never stops. Recruiting, everything else, we'll be we'll be at spring games here in no time. I mean, we got bowl games right around the corner, and then after bowl games, I mean, you got what five, six weeks till spring practice. Yep. And not, then, not to mention signing periods. Exactly. So we, we're going to have our hands full for quite some time, reviews and everything else. But, guys, I want to appreciate y'all tuning in this season, sticking with us. I know we missed a few weeks here and there. We do apologize. We're going to try to get better going forward. We're going to try to get better. We will get better for y'all. But thank you for sticking with us. We really do appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you all very much. You know, just uh, as always, you know, hit us up on the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Let's talk some football. That's right. Remember to like, share, subscribe. And until next time, keep those drinks cold and keep those chains moving.